Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Terrence Wilson, lead pastor of Cool Church. And we're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. There's no place to be like God's house on a Sunday morning. If you believe that, say amen. Come on, somebody. Hey, my name is Terrence. I'm one of the pastors here at Cool Church. And on behalf of the entire family, I want to welcome you to this place. And I know Cool Church sounds like a fun name for a church. And you already heard it, but I'm going to keep on saying it. It stands for something. Cool stands for created out of love. How do I know that? I know you were created out of love because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? But we're not just created out of love. We're created by love for God is love. But here's the best part. We're not just created out of love and by love. We're created for love. What's the point of loving God if we don't love each other? Amen? So that means we love God and we love you. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I always say church should feel like a family reunion. So before you sit down, I want you to look at your family, all the people that surround you. I need you to give everybody a high five. Come on, Sam. I'm happy to see you, fam. Let's go. Thank you. Wow, we got a full house on a Sunday. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Somebody came up to me during worship. They was like, Pastor, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? We ain't got enough chairs for the people. I said, that's a good problem to have. It's good when you got to put down more chairs for people, amen? That's a good problem to have, man. I'm so thankful to be here with you on this very first Sunday of 2024. You could have been anywhere in the world. Thank you for choosing us as the house of worship that you have decided to participate in. Whether you are here or online, I just want to thank you so, so much. And can we all take a moment? to give a round of applause to all the amazing servant leaders. There have been some people, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you clap. There's been some people that have been here since 7.30 this morning. Oh, let me take it back. Since 6.30 this morning, preparing the house for you. So could we all take a moment and give it up for all of our servant leaders? Come on. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know who you are. There's people out there in the parking lot that waved you in. There's been people that have got you to your seat. There's people taking care of our children. This church is nothing if there are not people that serve. Amen? Thank you so, so much. Man, I've had this Sunday marked on my my calendar for a long time because it's the first time that the Cool family and the Fountain family are now one family. Amen? So glad that we get to worship together. So from moving forward, if you just hear me say cool family, just know I'm talking about all y'all. Amen. We want family, man. We love each other. And I have a word. I I think you could tell by now what the word of the year is. The word of the year is amen. 
Amen. Hey, somebody say amen. Oh, I'm excited. That's a powerful word that we use very casually, but man, it has so much depth to it. And this is the year of amen. Amen. I, I love it. I love it. So I'm going to get to the word. If you got your Bibles, hold them up in the air. Come on, let me see. Wave your Bibles in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Come on, I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. The bigger your Bible, the closer you are to Jesus. That's not true, but, but you know, I, I, it makes me feel good because I got a big Bible. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Uh, thank you, online family. There's people joining us, 57 different nations. Uh, shout out to all the online family. We love y'all as well. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And I just want to say, tomorrow we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. I will be on a Zoom call at 7.30 a.m. to wake you up or to get you going every single morning. I will have a devotional for you and I will pray through all of your prayer needs personally, myself. So make sure you sign up to get the Zoom link so you could be a part of it. Because I just believe, man, a church that prays together stays together, right? And we're going to shake the heavens and the earth through the power of prayer and fasting. There's many different fast tracks you can take. Um, some of you might want to do the 21-day Daniel fast. Some of you might want to do a 21-day liquid fast. Some of you might need to do a media fast. How many of y'all just kind of sick of the media? Yeah. Somebody, somebody might just need to put the phone down for a little bit. Amen. Some of you might want to like be... Just go to another level. You say, man, I'm going to do a 40-day fast this year. I do a 40-day fast every single year to start my year. You say, why? Because I got to make sure I know who's still in control. I, I got I to make sure that God is still fully in control of me, and I don't want anything else in my life to dictate my direction. So I give up my time, and I give up everything to him so I can make sure he's still the center of my life. Amen. So I'm not telling you that to brag of the show. I'm just saying some of y'all might want to join me on that journey. Um, it is up to you. I already started on January 2nd. So we're going to keep on going. We're going to ride it out. But man, we want to fast together as a church to believe God for miracles. Amen. With that being said, now I'm going to get into this word. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 is our key verse for the year. And uh, I love the way that it reads. I'm going to read the N.I version here for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 reads something like this. It says for no matter how many promises God has made they are yes in Christ and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And all the church said I like that. See, you're just using the word and you just can't even help it. Amen. If you're taking notes, the Bible says in Jedediah 57, 5, that those that take notes shall get us to heaven. If you believe that, I got more work to do than I thought. Okay. Don't say, it doesn't say that. Taking notes may not help you not, but they'll point you back to a place in scripture when you need it the most. And God will guide you and he will direct you. Amen. Take notes. It'll, it, it'll bless you. If you're taking notes, I've entitled this first message of 2024, this on this vision Sunday. So be it. So be it. Let's pray. Once again, Father, we thank you for this day because this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad. God, I thank you 
that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place and watch online today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, show yourself to somebody who's never met you before and reintroduce yourself to somebody that has been far. God, I pray that somebody could start the year in alignment and agreement with you. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most. Bless them wherever they are in this world. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's children said, all God's children said, take about five seconds and give them a shout of praise. Come on. So I don't have much time. I'm going to get right to it. So in 2022, our word for the year was all in. And then in 2023, our word, which all of us know, um, was, was what? Together. I, I love it because as uh, myself and Pastor Lomax, shout out to Pastor Lomax and Teresa, man. We love y'all. We love y'all. We love y'all. As, as before we even got into 2023 and, and Pastor Lomax and I were talking, he just asked me casually in October of the year before, he said, hey, what is your word of the year for 2023? And I had just come off my sabbatical and I knew the word. I said, Pastor, I was like, the word we're going to use is together. He was like, nah, you playing. I'm like, yeah. He was like, that's the exact same word that God gave me. And we didn't even realize it, but God was already aligning our churches together. So this year, as we've endeavored to do something amazing, thank God that he has brought these houses of worship together. Last year was the year of together. And 2024, I am declaring over this house is the year of amen. Amen. Many people have called the word amen the best known word in the world. Amen. Amen actually it means, if you look up its historical context, it means firm. Metaphorically, it actually stands for faithful. If it's at the beginning of a discourse, it means surely, truly, or of truth. But at the end, it means so it is. It means so be it, or it means may it be fulfilled. When amen was originally used, it was, it was custom that was passed um, over from a synagogue to Christian assemblies that when somebody read a discourse and it offered a solemn prayer to God, the other people that were in the congregation would respond amen and it made the substance of what was uttered their own. So when the preacher or the communicator prayed something, people would say amen to agree and claim it as their own. Amen, I love this, it's a universal word because no matter what language you say it in, it practically sounds the same in every language. It was transliterated directly from the Hebrew to the Greek of the New Testament, from there from Latin into English and many other languages, so it's really a universal word. Like you can go almost anywhere in the world, not know the language, say amen and somebody will know what you're talking about. Amen. It's everywhere and it's understood. Amen. I love it because we see amen cut across 
cultural lines, it's a word that unites us. It's a unifying word. It's a word that brings us together. It cuts across culture. It cuts across language. Its meaning is alignment, and it itself is alignment. When you say amen, you're saying, I align with what you're saying. I'm in alignment with you. Do you realize what you're saying when you say the word amen? The word has been used so passively by us for so long because we were taught to say it at the end of the prayer. But I want you to understand there is some real depth to that word that I want to dig into today. When you say amen, don't casually just say it anymore. It's a word with power. When you say amen, you need to mean amen. Saying amen, I love it because when I say it at the end of the prayer, you know what it allows me to do? Get out the way. Amen allows me to get out of the way. So knowing that, why does Paul use it? Why does the Apostle Paul use it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 20? I, I, you will never see me give scripture and not give context to scripture. Scripture taken out of context has destroyed so many lives. And I will not be guilty of that. I also challenge you, whenever you hear me teach a word or preach a word, go back into the scripture to qualify the word. And the church said... I just need to know that you agree with me. I love this. Second Corinthians 1, chapter 20. It's an interesting verse, and I've heard it preached many a times, but often I hear it preached out of context. What will provoke Paul to write something as beautiful as what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20? Well, let me give you some of the background. Paul was making his many missionary journeys. He took three specifically. And on one occasion, he, he, he wanted to go back to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was a thriving church, but they also had a lot of issues in the church. How many of y'all know church people got issues? You ain't got to admit it, I know. So Paul... <laughs> So Paul, he wants to write to them to kind of correct and set some, some issues straight. And he's like, hey, um, I'm going to see you on my way to Macedonia. And then when I leave Macedonia, I'm going to come back through and see you. So he saw them on his first trip. And, and if I could be honest, his first trip wasn't the most pleasant trip. He got there and he started seeing all the wacky stuff that was going on in church. Paul laid down a phenomenal doctrine of Jesus Christ. Paul did not point to himself. All he ever did was point to Jesus. But there were people in the church that was opposed to what Paul was saying. So they tried to call Paul out on some nonsense. They're like, oh, he don't know what he's talking about. Listen, he's not a man of integrity. Y'all, please do not listen. These are people in the church. Listen, hey, here's why we should never fight in church. We, we already got enough stuff trying to fight us when we get outside the church. And if you think fighting in church is new, no, it's been here. Right? So Paul is like, what is wrong with y'all? Like, y'all, I, I came here to give you some good news, to talk about Jesus, to, to spread the gospel throughout the earth. And his first trip, he was so traumatized from his first trip on his way to Macedonia to the church of Corinth, he started to reconsider. When he was in Macedonia, he was like, I, I, I don't think I could go back through there because if I go back to the church of Corinth, I'm not going to say what needs to be said to encourage the people. This is not going to be a fun visit because, yeah, they actually do need some correction. I don't even think I'm in the place to properly say it because I know I ain't going to say it the right way. How many of y'all have not said something because you knew you weren't going to say it the right way? 
This is Paul in this situation. He's like, yeah, I, I, I got to chill because if I let them really know how I feel, they're going to meet. They're going to meet Saul. They ain't going to meet Paul. The church people laughing because they know that was OK. That was the old him. Right. So this last visit was full of conflict and correction. It wasn't about encouragement. And Paul's heart was always to build and uplift the church. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, he gives his heart, which is one of the reasons why it's hard for him to go back there. He says in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, he says, For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Paul had a pastor's heart. He was an apostle, but man, he loved the people there, man. He did not want to discourage them. All he wanted to do was encourage them. And Paul openly expresses his sorrow over all of the drama that was happening in church, even though he wasn't the one that has caused it. And here's a word for somebody today. Because there's people right now that are causing some drama in your life. And in 20, you, you took a lot in 2023. So in 2024, you're like, yeah, nah, I ain't going to take that no more. In 2024, you're like, yeah, I'm about to snap back. In 2024, you about to pop off. But the word of the Lord for somebody today is to be the bigger person. Sometimes you need to just walk away. Paul was like, if I come back and see y'all, it's going to be a problem. So you know what? So I could keep my salvation. I'm going to let y'all have it. So I could be the bigger person. I'm going to back away. In order to be the bigger person in 2024, sometimes you're just going to have to walk away. Because it's not about being right. It's about finding common ground that encourages your brothers and your sisters. There's a lot of things that I probably think I'm right on, but if it's not going to encourage the body, I could fall back. Say, you know what? Me being right is not more important than unifying my brothers and my sisters. This is what Paul was trying to get them to understand. And the opponents of Paul and his teaching, they used the moment as a way to say that Paul lacked integrity. Look at Paul. He said he was coming back after he left from Macedonia. He left us high and dry. He ain't got no integrity, y'all. He doesn't mean what he says. He does not say what he means. And this is why we told y'all you shouldn't listen to Paul. Paul trying to play the bigger role. They're using that against him to say that he was not the man of God that he says he was. So, 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 so Paul's like, no, that's, that's not okay. What y'all, what, what we not finna do in 2024. Y'all, y'all could talk junk about me and all, but listen, what you're not going to do is question my integrity. What you're not going to do is mess with my name. Like, already had a name change. You ain't going to take this name from me that God gave me. Right? It would have been okay for them to maybe be disappointed because Paul didn't come. But they were so wrong to blame Paul without fully understanding his heart or really understanding what God was trying to do through God's will. Amen? And here's the thing that I want to say. Because oftentimes... All of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We all miss the mark at some time. And what happens is if we're not careful, when people miss the mark, we can be quick to judge them. 
We can be very judgmental people. I love church people, but oftentimes church people are some of the most judgmental people. I mean, like we look at people that walk in the door and we make judgments based upon what they wear, based upon how they talk, based upon what they know or don't know. We are quick to make judgments. And they made all these judgments about Paul when this is the same one writing letters with tears in his eyes for them. Talking about he didn't have integrity. Talking about Paul wasn't about nothing. Paul was weeping for them. Paul was on his knees for them. Paul was constantly praying for them. They did not know why Paul didn't want to come. Paul didn't want to come because Paul was trying to spare their feelings. And they didn't know. So instead of knowing Paul's heart, all they did was throw judgments on him. And I just want to say it as it pertains to cool church. We got to be people that stop being so quick to judge other church people without understanding the full picture. We can't just get a snapshot of somebody's life and think we know why they do what they do and we don't even have all the information. We wonder why people do what they do without giving them the grace and the space to see that maybe God is doing something bigger through them. So in actuality, the truth behind first, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1, 20 is interesting because Paul writes this verse in context with the rest of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And this whole chapter is about defining his integrity. He's like, I got to clarify my integrity because in case y'all forgot, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name means something, and what y'all not going to do is mess around. You're going to put some respect on my name. That's what Paul is saying in that moment. Paul is writing this to silence his haters because he didn't want to go up in front of them and cause all kind of controversy that would have divided the church. But he said, you know what? Now that my thoughts are clear, let me write this down so that y'all never forget it. See, some, me and my wife used to do this all the time because... We learn how to get along with each other because when we first got married, we lived in a loft. When you live in a the loft, there's really no walls. It's all like one big room, right? So when you're mad, it's not like you can go to another room. My wife, she's so funny because with me, like I, I, I just, I, I, I snap real quick on stuff. My wife, so she don't say crazy stuff, you know what she do? She'll write stuff down. She'll write stuff down and leave me letters in the house. I look at this, you are so dumb, dumb, dumb. No, she but she would write letters. Why? Because she didn't want the argument to go to another level because she couldn't fully figure out what she was trying to say. So she said, let me breathe. Let me take a moment. And let me write something so I can make sure that I'm making myself clear. That might bless somebody in your life before you fire and all. Take some time. Just breathe. Maybe write things down. I, I, I love this. Because Paul is writing to protect his integrity. He's, he's writing to silence the haters. And in short, we don't get the blessing of 1 Corinthians. We, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1.20. We don't even get this blessing if Paul doesn't have to first go through adversity to write it. You catching that? This is such a beautiful thing that nobody talks about all the background and nonsense Paul had to go through. But we don't even get it if Paul doesn't take a moment to step back and breathe while he's facing adversity. 
We don't get the blessing without the adversity before it. I want somebody to hear me today because there is no growth without the adversity of growing pains. There is no influence without the adversity of obscurity. There is no harvest without the adversity of the seasons. And there is no salvation without the adversity of the cross. In 2024, could it be that God does not just want you to go through something, but God wants you to grow through something. And some of us are mad at adversity when God is using adversity to push you forward towards maturity. Maybe what's happening in your life right now is causing you to mature and develop into the believer that God has called you to be. Paul lets his adversaries in the church know that when he says something, he means it. And he uses an example so that they never question his integrity again. And he recites 2 Corinthians 1 20 because he wants them to know when I say something I stand on my word my word is my bond if I say it I mean it and he says this beautiful verse and he uses an example for him to mean I stand by my word he uses an example of a promise between God Jesus and us he's saying hey My word doesn't lack integrity. As a matter of fact, you could take it to the bank because it's like a promise from God himself. Don't question my integrity ever again. And I believe at 2024, this year is the year of amen because this will be the year that the promise has been kept. I think there's some people in this room and for years you've been going and you like, Lord, I love you, Lord. I've been, I've been plowing, Lord. I've been tilling, Lord. I've been planting seed, Lord. When we gonna have this baby, Lord? When I'm gonna get this job, Lord? When I'm gonna find my Boaz, Lord? When am I gonna change, Lord? When is my family gonna get saved, Lord? When is my business gonna take off? I'm here to tell you that this is a year where promises will be kept because you have sown seed and there will be some things that remain for all of eternity, seed, time, and harvest. I am dedicating this year to be a year of harvest because this will be the year that God keeps every promise that he ever made you. If you believe it, say amen. So be the year of promises kept. And we need the promises of God to prove who he is to us and to prove to us who we are to him. See, God proves he is the truth through his promises because when he makes them, he cannot break them. For the Bible says our our God is not a man that he should lie. But God proves to us who we are to him when the promise is kept. When we see the promise come to fruition because it's how we get to see his love in action towards us. And the church said, so today now with that background, With that context, I want to dive into why the promises of God are yes and amen. Two quick points and we out of here. Amen? The first point is this. The yes assures the promise is certain. I'm going to just sip my water on that right there. Mm. The yes assures the promise 
is certain. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises, somebody say promises. Look at your neighbor say promises. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like so much because you picked them second and say promises. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Somebody should throw something. When I hear that, I get it. I, please don't throw nothing. But they are yes in Christ. I love this passage because there's a boldness and a certainty to it that's undeniable. Yes, it's a fact. You ain't got work, I got it. It's a certainty to it that's undeniable. Did you know that there are about 7,487 promises in the Bible? And when I read this verse, for no matter how many, for no matter how many promises, is there a limit on the promises? For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So you mean to tell me all these promises in the Bible, all 748 and 87 of them, Paul is saying all of them are yes in Christ? All of them. Every promise that God ever made is yes in Christ. Yes. There's a certainty to it. Yes, yes, yes. Look at your neighbor and say yes. Look at your other neighbor and say yes. Look up to heaven and say yes. There's a certainty to it that is undeniable. When I was younger, I remember in my adolescence as I'm looking at my teenage daughter sitting in the front row. How you doing, baby girl? You all right? Yeah. Huh. I remember that when I was younger, I would believe things based upon who said them. So, like, it's funny because teenagers do this and they probably don't even realize that they're doing this, but I, I know I've, I've done this. My, my daughter, she'll tell me something. I'm like, yo, where you learn that from? I'm like, why are you doing that? And she'll say, well, so-and-so said, well, so-and-so said, and you know who so-and-so usually is? It's, it's like her friend at school, right? Because here's the truth. They're with their friends more than they're with us. So they're learning all kinds of stuff from them, which means, like, as a parent, you really need to parent your child and get involved in your kids' lives because they learn this stuff from other people that are not you, right? So-and-so said, so-and-so said, and I ain't gonna lie, like, I be trying not to, like, hurt her feelings. I'm, like, trying to be a good dad. Sometimes it, like, frustrates me. Sometimes it's a good thing, and I'm like, oh, who said that? So-and-so, I'll be like, oh, goodness gracious. Sometimes it's not so good. Who said that? I'm like, see, I told you, you know. I ain't gonna lie, sometimes it frustrates me. But when I get frustrated, you know what I remember? I remember when I was her age. And when I was her age, there's a person that's in this room right now that when they told me something, I believed it. It was no doubt. My big brother, he is eight years older than me. And if he said something to me as a little boy, I believe whatever he said. So like, there's still things I like today just because he liked them when we were growing up. If he told me Michael Jordan was the GOAT, Michael Jordan was the GOAT. 
If he told me Nikes were the best shoes, Nikes were the best shoes. I ain't care. And I would go, I, I sound like a little parrot. I would go to school and I'd be like, yo, my brother said this. Yo, my big brother said this. Yo, my big brother said this. You couldn't tell me nothing. If you said something that was against what my big brother, nah, nah, you stupid. Because my big brother said this. Why did I do that to my big brother? Because he was my hero. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, he beat me up, but he was still my hero. I love, I love my big bro because he would look out for me. He would defeat, you know. But I like everything that I thought was cool was everything that he thought was cool, and I, I, I believed him because I looked up to him. If he said it, I was like, man, it gotta be true. Because why would my big brother ever lie to me about anything? The, the negative side was that, as I went to school talking nonsense too. Whatever nonsense he said, I was saying to my big brother said, it's like, oh Lord, I don't even want to repeat some of the stuff he used to tell me. But I I believed it because he said it. My big bro said this, my big bro said that. That was my answer for anything because I looked up to him. And I just want to encourage somebody in this room today that God is our father and he sent his son Jesus our big brother to give us somebody to look up to and if he said it I believe it why because I have a certainty based on the source I'm gonna repeat that I have a certainty based on the source God's promises are yes because God's character is shown to us in the person of Jesus that guarantees the fulfillment of his promise. So the entire range of all the promises of God is secure because of who Jesus is. So because Jesus told me in Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow, but tomorrow will worry about itself. I believe the promise because Jesus told me in John 14, 12, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because he said it. I believe it because Jesus told me in Matthew 28 20 surely I am with you always even till the very end of the age I believe the promise because God proved faithful in the fulfilling of his promises in Christ Jesus he's gonna fulfill all of his promises to his brothers and his sisters even today can we even imagine God the father saying no to God the son he would never do it. God is a father. And he's going to always say yes to the son, Jesus. And because God says yes to Jesus, I am certain. I am sure that God will always do what he said he would do. And the yes assures that the promise is true. We get the yes before we get the amen because we have to be sure that the promise is correct. I could, I could take what God says to the bank about my life because he says yes, but who qualifies the yes? Jesus. Jesus said it. I believe it. But lastly, I told you we're almost there. The yes assures the promise is certain. The amen 
affirms we trust the promise. <laughs> oh, man. The amen affirms we trust the promise. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by who? No, I want to find it. It's so through him. The, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Spoken by us. I love that. Like, hey, y'all, we get a job in this. It ain't just Jesus doing all the work. We have a part to play. So, somebody, somebody walked in this place and thought they had no purpose. And I just read a verse that lets you know you got a part to play. This passage is trying to teach us about the power of agreement and trust in God. The power of agreement and trust in God. I remember when, when I was younger once again, and you know you're getting older when you start to do the same things your parents did to you. I'm adulting. I'm turning into my mother and father simultaneously. It's a beautiful thing to, to, be, to, to witness and be a part of. And I remember as a kid, when I wanted something, before I would ask my mother, I would go ask my father. Because, if I could be honest, he probably was the more lenient one of the two. Because I knew if I asked my mama, she was going to say no. No is a complete sentence. I said no, my no don't change to yes, my no is no. Trinity, born. no, no, no. I'm like, she ain't even had to think and no would just come out. No, I'm like what? I ain't even asked for nothing. So, my, so I, I go to dad first, and my dad was notorious for this. If I would come to him first, dad, can I have money to do this? Or can I have money for the ice cream truck? Can I go here with friends? Can I do dad, dad? He, he hit me with the same line every time. What your mother say? What your mother say? I'm going to translate that for, for non-Caribbean folks. What did your mother say? What did your mother say? What did your mother say? And I'm like, oh. I knew I would have to go back, ask her. She was going to say no. And I had to come back and say, oh, she said no. Well, then I say no too. It's like a, it's like a lazy way of parenting. I ain't going to lie. I'll be doing the same thing now. Bye-bye, dad. Can I do this or that? I'm like, what your mama said? I do the same thing. The same thing. I love this because before my dad agreed on anything, he had to make sure what he was agreeing to. He was also trying to make sure he was on the same page with my mom. Dad knew if mom said something, why did my dad do that? Because he didn't want to be a, a parent. No, 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 no. Dad knew if mom said something concerning us, it was always going to be for our best interest. So 
before he agreed, before he gave his stamp of approval, he had to make sure he knew what was already said. Why? Because as it pertained to us, he fully trusted my mother's judgment and wanted us to know he agreed with her about us. Why is this important? Because y'all, amen is all about agreement. Amen is about agreement. So before you agree, make sure you know what you are agreeing to. There are some things you've co-signed or you said amen to in your life and you had no idea what you were agreeing to. Make sure you know. Don't be frivolous with your amen because amen is the part that we get to play in the miracle that is just as powerful as the promise. You need to hear that. The amen is just as powerful as the promise. You ever notice about amen that it's usually spoken at the end of the prayer to bring finality to the prayer? God approves the plan. Jesus Christ brings the plan to fruition because he is the promise. And when we say amen, we agree with him and we bridge the gap from the promise to the fulfillment through our faith. I love this. Because y'all, amen usually looks like the end, but it's actually the middle. Oh, I wish this would encourage somebody today. Why is amen the middle? Because amen is an activator. My amen qualifies everything said before and multiplies everything that is produced after it. My amen puts the miracle in motion through my faith and trust in Jesus. Amen says, I trust even when I don't fully understand. I'm in agreement. I'm in alignment. And we may not fully know the plan of God. We may not fully understand the plan of God. But we agree with the plan because of who made the plan. God and who is responsible for the fulfillment of the promise of the plan. Jesus, I don't agree because of what I know. Family, I agree because of who I know. Amen. You see, when you use amen at the end of something, remember what I told you that definition was? So be it. It sounds so casual like, so be it. But it's not casual. It just says, I'm in agreement because I have complete trust in the promise maker. I'ma just, you know, if God said it, so be it. So be it. So instead, y'all, of spending all of 2024 trying to figure out what God is doing when he's doing it I'm just deciding to say so be it so be it is a faith statement so be it requires you to release your expectations so be it requires you to let go of your judgment so be it requires you to make your desires second to God's desires so be it requires maturity in your faith so be it requires patience so be it requires persistence so be it requires vision so be it requires trust so be it requires an intimate relationship with God so when I 
together to do. It's not God's way. It's it's, it's God's way, not my way. So I say amen. I say amen to the new thing that God is doing. I say amen to committing to being in God's house. I say amen to God's abundance and prosperity in my life. I say amen to his healing over my body from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. I say amen to generational curses in my family being broken this year. I say amen to serving people on another level because I'm serving them with love. I say amen to everything that God has for me even if it seems bad because I believe that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose because he said it I believe it and this year I say amen if you believe it say amen I'm going to read 1 Corinthians to you one more time. But I'm going to read it out of the message version. Because I, I don't want you to miss what is sometimes lost in translation. 1 Corinthians 1, 20-22 in the message says, Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In Him, this is what we preach and we pray the great amen. God's yes and our yes together. It's gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ. Putting his yes within us, the Bible says. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. When you say amen to Jesus, family, you are saying, so be it to a sure thing in Christ Jesus. This is God's eternal pledge to all of us. That he who began the good work in you, he's going to finish. God's starting something in you at the beginning of 2024 that he is fully intending on finishing. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I wish there was somebody that would agree with what God is starting in you in 2024. If you agree, say amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you'd like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.